This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 145. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 145. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Before we dive into today's show, I want to share a featured review. So remember, you can leave a review for the Shameless Mom Academy by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. Reviews help me spread the word of the show. It helps people understand what they're getting into when they listen to the show and they know what to expect and what they will likely love when they join us all in the Shameless Mom Academy. So I really, really appreciate you leaving reviews, even if it's just a sentence or two, but letting me know how the show has impacted you because it really does help us spread the shameless love and make the show get out and reach more mamas who need help and support because we all need help and support, right? So the featured review this week is from Seattle Mom of Boys. She left a five-star review saying, listening to this podcast is my self-care and helps me refuel for the day. I'm so excited for summer with my three little boys. We've made bucket lists too. One big change though, thanks to your inspiration, I'm fitting in time for myself. My boys, six, five, and three years old, wake up around 5 to 5.30 a.m., which has been my excuse for not having time to myself, but no more. I'm working around our beautiful, messy life and fitting in time to exercise, read, journal, etc. I put together a routine and started implementing it about a month ago, and I'm still going strong. Celebrating the little wins and loving life. Thanks for the inspiration and motivation. I love this because this is exactly why I do what I do. So this means so much to me to know that 
Seattle Mom of Boys has taken back a little bit of her life, even if it's a struggle to work around a really hectic schedule. And oh my gosh, three little boys, six, five, and three years old. I mean, that's got to be slightly busy and chaotic in their household, but she is still finding time to do things that are meaningful to her and impactful to her that add value to her life as a woman and as a human that probably has a profound difference in how she's able to parent and just be calm, patient, loving, joyful, happy in her daily life. So I really, really love that feedback. And I'm so delighted that the Shameless Mom Academy has inspired you to make those changes in your life, Seattle Mom of Boys. Thank you for taking the time. So I would love anyone else to leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review and let me know how the Shameless Mom Academy has helped you. All right, let's get started. Hello, Shameless Moms. I'm so happy to be here in my office because I'm back from three trips in two weeks and I'm ready for a little routine and a little normalcy. I love traveling. What I love most about travel, I think, is the anticipation of it and just being really excited about a trip and excited for an adventure and whatever that might be, whether I'm going to a conference or we're going on a family vacation. But I got to say three trips in two weeks, it was a little much and I'm ready to be home for a while. So luckily I don't have to pack a bag. I have a month in between packing bags. So I'm excited to have four full weeks at home just to chill a little bit and be in my normal routine and be able to create and work and just feel really productive because I struggle with productivity when I'm not in my normal routine on a day-to-day basis. And I actually did a Facebook Live about that and about how to kind of manage and work around summer schedules being really fluctuating. So if that's something you struggle with, if you go to our Facebook page over at the Shameless Mom Academy, you'll see my recent Facebook Live that was from last Wednesday, where I talk about like how to kind of buffer between vacations and ups and downs in the summer and being in and out of routines, because it's a really important thing to be able to understand what that's going to look like for you. And so maybe you're taking the summer off and you're just chilling with the fam and hanging with the kids and that's great. But if you're like me and you are having weeks where like some weeks you have two days to work and some days you have five days to work and you might be rushing between, not rushing necessarily, probably rushing, but you might be enjoying vacation in between there with long weekends away and things like that, it's really important to have some buffers and to have some transitions put in place so that when you come back to your routine, you can get into it as quickly as possible, but also like honor where your body's been at. So you're not diving in at 110 miles an hour the minute after you step off of a plane. So like for us last Tuesday night, we got home really late. So Wednesday morning, I left it pretty chill for myself. I actually didn't schedule anything for myself until like three o'clock on Wednesday. And then I just had a couple of calls where I could be like pretty mellow and didn't have to be super on top of things until my call that I needed to prepare for was at seven o'clock Wednesday night. So everything else was super chill and I could just kind of take things as I needed to. So that was really helpful to me. And I've been really conscientious of how I'm scheduling time and blocking time as we have all this travel and fun summer things going on, just so that I can actually enjoy the fun summer stuff while I'm in it. And then also I can ease back into my productivity, but really maximize my productivity in those times when I am at home. And so like, you know, last week I had three days home to work Wednesday was kind of a buffer day. And then Thursday and Friday were focus days where I was really trying to get things done, knock things out so that I could actually enjoy the weekend and then get back to the normal routine, which I'm so excited about today, kicking off a Monday and just having a full Monday through Friday to be productive and feel like I'm really on my A game instead of kind of flying by the seat of my pants. So pop over to Facebook if you want to watch that Facebook Live and how I talk about transitions and re-entry, because I know there's a lot of that happening for people this summer. All right, so Tonight, I am kicking off the Summer Self-Care Club. So excited about that. So I'll be talking about that as we get into 
future episodes talking about what some of the people we're working on in that group, but I'm really excited. And I know a lot of you were really looking forward to being a part of a summer group with me and because of timing and summer and travel and everything, it didn't work out. So never fear, we do have another program coming up in September. So if you are wanting to jump on board for that, if you want to email me at info at shamelessmom.com, I'll make sure to get you on the wait list for our next program and make sure that you have lots of notice so that you know what's going on there. But I'm very excited to kick off this evening with our summer self-care club. And I will be keeping you up to date what we're all doing and how we're being accountable to each other and how we're setting goals and just making good things happen this summer. I'm near the end of my workout with Megan, my trainer, who I'm loving and hating as we do with trainers. At the end of this workout, and I'm trying to calculate in my head, like, hmm, I wonder how many workouts I've ever done in my life. And I don't know why I've never thought of this before. Like I've been working out now for like, it took me a long time to get started. I never broke a sweat in my life till I was 19 years old, at least from exercise, maybe from like weeding in the garden when my mom like made me do that. And there was probably a lot of kicking and screaming and crying on my part that went along with that. But I never broke a sweat from doing anything athletic growing up because I terrified of PE and I did not think I was physically competent and I was very insecure. I was overweight. I was basically lived on macaroni and cheese and frozen chicken nuggets and tater tots. So like the whole running thing, sweating thing, exercise thing was very daunting to me. But once I started exercising at around 19 or so, I wanted to lose weight. I started exercising in secret. I've never stopped. Like it's been a very, very consistent piece of my life. Five days a week, often six days a week, sometimes double workouts, especially when I was doing a lot of triathlons, I would be doing two and three workouts a day. Exercise has been a very, very consistent part of my life. So I was thinking this morning on my run, I'm like, maybe I've done 10,000 workouts. I bet I have. So I'm like doing all the math. And by the time I'm done with the run, I'm like, yeah, I've definitely done at least 10,000 workouts. So I get home, I get to my driveway and I'm like, get out my phone, I'm crunching numbers. And I'm like, okay, as it turns out, I think I've done 5,500 to 6,000, probably closer to 6,000 workouts. 5,500 is a little bit of a conservative estimate. Like that gives me a couple weeks off per year for different things. I mean, I generally work out when I travel as well, but like if I'm sick or whatever, I think that that 5,500 to 6,000 is probably a pretty accurate guesstimate. So I was off by like 50%. (laughs) But that said, I think that that's still a lot of workouts. And I started thinking about what that number means and what it means to do something 5,500 times. So for me, I'm going to talk this through what that means for me doing something really specific like working out. But what I want you to be thinking of is what are some things that you've done really repetitively and how have they impacted your life in a positive way? So This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for 
understood explains and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. You might have done other things and things that you would never think are like super awesome additions to your life. So maybe... This is another thing I've calculated at one point. Maybe it's how many times you've changed a poopy diaper first thing in the morning. There was a time when Vinny was like three and a half-ish, I think. And he was potty trained during the day, but still wearing a diaper at night and waking up poopy every morning. Like this is a kid who woke up poopy every morning of his life until he was potty trained through the night. So at one point I calculated and I was like, oh my gosh, The first thing I've done every day for a thousand days straight is change a poopy diaper. And maybe, I mean, my husband is a very involved father, but he's generally like maybe 3% of the time he was the person who got up and changed that first diaper. So I was like, oh my gosh, like a thousand days in a row, this is how I started my day. It's hard to be really appreciative of that, but there were some good things that came out of that. So think about maybe that's something you've done. Maybe how many times have you eaten dinner with your family? Probably something you don't always appreciate so much, but something you've done a million times. How many times have you walked your kid to school or driven your child to soccer practice or packed a school lunch? So these things that we do like over and over and over again, and we don't even think about the impact that they're having. We don't think about the benefit that we're getting from them. And sometimes we just find them to be annoyances. That's how exercise can feel to a lot of people and myself included. And you would think like, because I have a background in exercise and as a personal trainer, and it's been such a big part of my life for so long that it would be something that I love and adore. I do, but there's still plenty of days that I don't. And so I love it for what it gives to my life and for the value that it gives to my life. But there's not a lot of mornings when I jump out of bed and I'm like, yes, I can't wait to do my workout. It's usually quite the opposite. I'm often excited about it the night before. I get really excited about feeling like a badass, but when I'm actually rolling out of bed, 
usually not a lot of badassery in that. So what I decided, what I calculated is I've done workouts 5,500 to 6,000 times over the course of the last 22 years since I was 19. And what that means is that at least 5,500 times I showed up even when I didn't want to. 5,500 times I did something I didn't know I could do. Because here's the thing, I often at the beginning of a workout, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to finish this. Or what if I have to stop and rest? Or what if I can't do all the reps? Or what if I have to drop to a lower weight? Like I always have these thoughts at the beginning of a workout. So this is, these are the kinds of things that creep into our head when we have to do something repetitively, even when it's something that's not totally out of our comfort zone. This is 5,500 times that I did my best regardless of how ugly or imperfect it was. And it was 5,500 times that I proved I could do hard things. That's a lot. That is super, super empowering. So even if the thing you're looking at is like sitting down and eating dinner with your family multiple thousands of times, and maybe at this point it's only hundreds of times, maybe you've only sat down to eat dinner with your family 10 times because it sucks so bad you never wanted to do it again because I've been there. But think about what that means. You showed up, you did something you didn't know you could do, you did your best regardless of how ugly or imperfect it was, and you proved that you could do something hard. Those are really, really important things because of what that translates into for me with exercise that translated into setting higher goals in all areas of my life. When I could get up and show that I was strong in the morning, I am much more likely to tackle other goals and prove to myself that I can do other hard things. It translates into trying new things, even if they're scary and I'm not sure I can do them because every day I get up and do a workout that I'm not sure I can do. So that allows me to think like, oh, okay, there's probably some other things that I should try, even if they're a little scary, even if they're a little daunting. And I might fail, but I know what failure feels like and I know how to work through that because I've done it a lot of times. I've failed multiple times. I've had to quit in the middle of a workout. I've had to stop. I've had to drop my weights. I've had to take extra rests. I've had to completely shut down a workout in the middle and be like, today it's not happening. So I can try new things and recognize like if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. This translates into remembering that I'm strong, powerful, and capable even when life tries to show me otherwise. So even when I'm trying new things or even when I'm feeling like I want to be powerful in a certain situation or I, I think that I'm strong enough to do something and life proves otherwise, I'm reminded that I still can get up and try again, that it's still worth showing up, and that you still can be strong and powerful even if you don't accomplish the thing you set out to accomplish. This translates into knowing that I am in control no matter how crazy things get. So here's the thing about my exercises. I get up and I do it first thing every morning, and that's always been how it's been, except for when I was working my hospital job for like in my early 20s, I would sometimes do afternoon workouts. Um, and often when I was working in the hospital, I was doing multiple workouts a day, but that was the only time that I was really consistently working out in the afternoon. Other than that, I've always been a morning workout person. So I'm really good at controlling that. I'm really good at getting up and doing something when I don't want to do it, when I don't feel like doing it, when I could think of a million other things that would be more desirable, but I stay in control of that decision and I get it done. If things are hectic and crazy, I can modify. So if the morning gets crazy and something's going on with Vinny, I might do a 10 minute workout instead of a 30 minute workout. I have been known to do my workout on the kitchen floor while he's eating breakfast because I couldn't get it in any other way. And maybe it only lasted seven minutes, but it still got done. So no matter how things got hectic and crazy, I was able to adjust, pivot and make things work. 
This also translates into a sense of pride in everything I do, even if it's imperfect. So it can be really imperfect. It cannot be what I plan it to be. It can be ugly. It can be like ugly crying my way through it, swearing my way through it. But just that sense of accomplishment and getting something done makes me feel really, really proud. And it's something that is really important to me every single day because that fuels me for the day. So that sense of pride in doing something, even when it's not easy, when it's not comfortable, when it's not desirable, that's really, really important. So you don't have to do something 5,500 times in order to understand this or live these experiences that I'm describing. But here's what you need to do. You have to start the thing, whatever the thing is. So you just have to start. And when you start, it can be really short and really sweet and really simple. And it can also be really ugly and really imperfect and It can be like confusing and mushy and mashy and like you don't even have to know what it is. When I first started running, it was literally like, okay, so I guess I'm going to run from this corner to that corner and see how it goes. And then maybe the next day I'll try to run to the corner after that. I mean, it was like really unpredictable, really unknown. And I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't have a clue what shoes to wear. So I got the cutest Nikes I could find, which ended up giving me tons of injuries. And I refused to get different shoes because I wanted the cutest Nikes I could find. Finally, I had to make some concessions on the cute shoe front and get some really ugly shoes that didn't injure me. I also didn't know what to wear. I didn't have workout clothes. I probably didn't even have a sports bra. Lord only knows what I wore. I was probably like boobs flying everywhere, running down the street in like stretch pants or something that didn't breathe at all. Because this would have been like late 90s no, mid nineties. It was well before Lululemon and Athleta. I'll just tell you that. So I was definitely not wearing cute workout clothes and I was probably not wearing even functional workout clothes. I do remember in college. So it would have been like 1999. I remember I have pictures of me in my winter running gear, which was cotton long johns, like the kind you would wear in like super cold weather. But like now we have like technical fabric for these kinds of things. Like they breathe. This was just 100% cotton long johns that are kind of that waffle material. So cotton long johns, my cute Nikes and running shorts that were like three sizes too big. So I had them like rolled up at the waist because when you have been overweight your whole life, you just buy everything really big and you think that looks more cute and it makes you look smaller, but really it just makes you look like you're wearing a big, huge balloon over your white long johns. And I wore white long johns to run in. Like so weird, right? (laughs) But at least I had the cute Nikes going for me. So it was ugly. It was imperfect. It was like barely functional, but I just kept doing it until I learned better. And I learned new things and different things. I, in college, made a couple of friends who were runners. So we would try different things together. One of the women who lived in my dorm, she'd been running for many years. And so she taught me a few things. And it was just like, over time, I picked up things. At some point, I learned about running tights. So like, God bless Nike running tights, which I still have my running tights from, I think they're like 19 years old. And recently, like a year ago, I was running in them one day and I came home and I was like, I can't believe I have a little hole in these tights. Like what's up with the quality control at Nike? And then I realized, oh my gosh, I've been running in these tights probably since 1999. (laughs) I was like, okay, I guess since they're at that, they would have been like, I don't know, 17 or 18 years old. And I was like, okay, I guess I can give Nike a little bit of a break on the lack of quality control with this whole situation in my tights since I've worn them a few times over the course of nearly 20 years. 
So the thing is, you just have to start and you show up and you just do the thing and you give yourself a lot of grace, a lot of compassion, and you're just like, whatever, like, I'm just going to do my thing and see what happens. And actually what I love about the starting phase, and I talk about this a lot with my gym members, and again, this goes for exercise, but it also goes for things like eating dinner with your family or making the lunch making at night. Like, do we all hit making lunches? Maybe it goes for your bedtime routine. Like how many nights have you put your kid to bed and had them get up three times after that? So whatever the situation is, once you get started, you can go into what I call data collection mode. So instead of thinking like, okay, we're going to implement this new habit or this new system or this new routine, and it's going to be so great. And we're going to get all these benefits. No, you don't do that. You just say, we're going to do this and we're going to see what happens. We're going to do data collection mode. So it's basically research. And I tell people to do this when they come to my gym for the first time. I say, I want you to show up for your first workout. And I don't want you to go as hard as you can. I don't want you to feel like you can't walk afterwards. I just want you to go in and try things and then be like, hmm, okay, so I tried the first thing and it felt like this and I liked it or I didn't like it. I felt like I could do it or I felt like I couldn't do it. I felt strong or I didn't feel strong. And then you go to the second thing and you're like, okay, the second thing I could do, like, yes, that was great. The third thing, okay, could you do the third thing? The third thing could not do it all. That was terrifying. Okay, so you're just doing data collection, super neutral. You're not judging yourself as you're doing it. You're not critiquing anything as you go. You're just collecting data. The power of that is then when you go to do the thing again, you're like, okay, I already know that like these are the things I liked so I can look forward to those things. These are the things that were hard, so how can I tackle them differently or maybe ask for some help or support? These are the things that made me feel like a total badass, so like, let's go do those some more. So you collect that data initially so that you can then work on and modify and improve the system or the skill or the habit or the routine. So when you go in with that mindset of data collection and practice, which is a great yoga philosophy that you just show up to practice whatever the thing is, then you're not critiquing yourself. You know, when I first started running, I would set out every day to run further than I had the day before and faster than I had the day before, which was awful. So it's really important that you're mindful that you're not trying to be better every single day. You're not trying to be perfect every single day. When you are looking at doing something that you're going to be doing for a long time, many, many times, 5,500 times over 22 years, you are looking at just starting and showing up to collect data. And then from there, you can build upon that and change, modify, grow, adapt. Things will improve as you go. But in the beginning, you're just collecting the data. So from there, you're showing up even when you don't want to. So there's going to be times when you kind of feel like showing up. There's going to be times when you kind of don't feel like showing up. There's going to be times when you're pumped up. There's going to be times when you're not at all. It's going to look different every day. Again, whether you're talking about sitting down to dinner with your whole family or you're talking about showing up for a workout or you're talking about getting up and changing the poopy diaper every single morning, like there's times where you're going to be able to like get yourself pumped up for it. And there's going to be other times where it's going to be the most difficult, awful thing in the world to you. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. 
If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. The next piece is you want to allow for imperfection. So you are allowing for this. It's not just initially it should be imperfect. It's like it can be imperfect forever. I can exercise for 22 years, five days a week, and it can be imperfect that entire time. That's something that was very hard for me to figure out and adapt to and embrace early on. So it used to be when I was doing a lot of distance running, every time I'd run a half marathon, I wanted to be faster than the one before. I wouldn't even take into consideration that the course was different because courses change. So like running the Seattle half marathon versus the Olympia half marathon, like totally different courses, but I would just want to always be faster than the course before. And then when I did them over the course of years and I would run the same races on the same courses year to year, then I would want to always make sure that I was faster than the year before. So then I was comparing the same courses and I felt like then for sure it was really important that I was getting better. What this ended up doing was really, really (laughs) damaging my relationship with running. Running became really hard and really grueling because every single time I ran, I felt like I had to be competitive with myself and be better than before and improve. And that just kind of sucked after a while. And I had to take a break from distance running. I actually took a long break. First, I did a marathon, which was awful. And then I took a long break from distance running. And it took me a long time to get fired up about it again, because I'd been in this like place of wanting to be so competitive with myself. And I think that's where I really enjoyed triathlons because you are changing gears so much. You can't really compare, you know, a triathlon in one place to another. There's just too many variables. And so it didn't create a place for me to be quite as competitive with myself. But I think that piece is really, really important. It's not that you're just allowing yourself to be imperfect in the beginning. You are allowing yourself to be imperfect forever for as long as you're doing this thing. So family dinner it might always be imperfect. Let's be honest. It will always be imperfect. Showing up to work out five days a week will always be imperfect. Showing up to do yoga, showing up to meditate. I actually did a really fantastic interview today with Renee Medi, and this will be up in a few weeks, but she was talking about mindfulness practice and how she works with people to help them with mindfulness. It was a fascinating interview. And she talked about going to a mindfulness retreats and which it was so, so interesting to me because in talking this through, she shared about, you know, sometimes with mindfulness, she's done 10 day silent retreats, 10 days of silence. But she says in her daily life, her mindfulness practice sometimes is one minute. You're not like always striving for bigger, better, like in constant improvement. Sometimes you're just striving to just like do the thing to whatever your capacity is that day. And that's totally okay. Next up, when you are looking at trying something and practicing something routinely in your life over the course of years, decades, or maybe it's just over the course of a month, maybe you're doing like a 30-day challenge, the next piece I want you to really focus on is staying humble. And so this actually follows allowing for imperfections really nicely because when you allow for imperfections, it makes you humble automatically. So you are just showing up like as you are any day and you're like, today I'm feeling awesome and that's awesome. That doesn't make me any better or worse than anyone else. And the next day you show up and you're like, hmm, not awesome. 
but that's okay too. Again, doesn't make me any better or any worse than anyone else. Like everyone has their good days and their bad days. So staying humble is going to be really, really important. And I think the important part for me with staying humble is like, yes, stay humble when you feel like you're flailing, but also when you're feeling like things are going really well, stay humble then too. Don't get cocky and overconfident. You know, I've seen this with me. I'm sure we've seen it. If you go to the example of like changing the poopy diaper every morning, as soon as you think that you have that kid not pooping in their diaper every morning and pooping on the potty, like something's going to happen. They're going to poop their whole dang bed. And then it's like a major regression and it's worse than just waking up to the poopy diaper. So you got to stay humble because there will be hiccups. I mean, I've certainly seen this where I've been, it felt like I'm at the top of my game and then something crazy happens and I feel, and my like habits are blown out the window. Perfect example would be when I sprained my ankle in the middle of the night going to the bathroom recently after having this like great streak of getting back into running, doing a seven and a half mile race, feeling on top of the world with running and feeling so excited about it for the first time in a really long time. And then literally two weeks after the race, as I was about to sign up for another race, I get up in the middle of the night to pee and sprain my ankle and can't run for six weeks. So you have to stay humble because even when you think you're at the top, you never know when things are going to fall apart. And when you're at the bottom, there's a lot to learn at the bottom. Like it's not a bad place to be. There's a lot to learn and there's a lot of value to be had in fighting your way back up. The next piece of this is owning your wins. So when you do something over and over again, sometimes it's hard to notice that things are going well. And so, you know, if you're having family dinners is a great example because I think that sometimes, or bedtime routine would be another one where you're just like, oh my gosh, I just got to grind through it, like hustle and grind. I'm not about hustle and grind at all. But let's be honest, sometimes family dinner, it's like hustle and grind. Just get that done because it's going to be so awful. And some of you maybe have magical family dinners. We do not. We're still mastering this for sure. But you have to look at, owning your wins. And so maybe it's like you had a family dinner where like there wasn't a fight, there wasn't whining, there wasn't spilled milk, and there wasn't an argument over peas and carrots. Or maybe you had a family dinner where like, you know, a kid said something funny. We do something great at family dinners. And I have to give credit to our friends, Taylor and Ariel for inspiring this. But we ask each other, we go around the table and ask, what did you do to help someone today? So that often gives us a little bit of a highlight around the dinner table, which can be really, really nice. So owning your wins is finding like that one little nugget, that one ray of sunshine within the daily experience or within the routine, however often that routine happens for you, and really letting yourself take ownership for that and really giving yourself a little pat on the back. So for me, like today, it was getting through this run that was really, really hard and having a huge takeaway at the end of the run. Like the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard and I'm dying and this shouldn't be so hard. And you know, it's a little bit of a bummer to feel like I'm fighting my way back after feeling really good about running just, you know, a couple months ago. But then at the end, I was like, wow, at the end of this run that totally kicked my butt, I realized I've worked out 5,500 to 6,000 times over the course of the last 22 years. Like, that's kind of cool. That's actually really cool. That's actually like a whole podcast episode. So (laughs) that was a big win. So keep noticing your wins and owning your wins and sharing them with other people. That's going to be a really important part of doing something over and over and continuing to find value in your habits, in your routines, in the things you're needing to repeat in your daily life. And then last is keep going. You have to keep going. You just keep showing up. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you keep going because sometimes you have no choice, but you also keep going because for whatever reason, this thing that you're doing repeatedly, it's either good for you, it's good for your family. Like there's some reason, there's some value to it, you know, somewhere along the line that it's benefiting you or your family. 
So you have to keep doing it. And so you have to then find the positive and just keep showing up, keep plugging away. So I know that for me, like I don't even think about exercising. I don't think about like, am I going to do it? Am I not going to do it? I just keep going. It's like a non-negotiable. So when you make things non-negotiable, you just keep doing them. And it's, you know, like packing lunch for your kids. It's like, you don't really have a choice. So you just keep doing it. And you don't think about that you hate it because if you think about hating it, it's worse. So instead you think about like, okay, hmm, if I'm going to pack lunch every night, like maybe I could turn on a podcast and listen to a little shameless mom Academy and actually, and pour myself a glass of wine and actually enjoy packing lunches. So you keep going and you find ways to make the habit desirable and meaningful and of high value to you so that it can be something that you can sustain for the long haul. So I hope that was helpful to you. I know that I really enjoyed putting this episode together. I really enjoyed just looking back and thinking like, wow, this is something I've done for 22 years straight and done over 5,500 times. That's a lot. So I want you to think of like, what is a habit that you have done repeatedly and maybe not giving yourself credit for? Maybe there's something that you've done. Maybe you meditate or pray or exercise or make sure you're eating your vegetables, or maybe you drink water first thing in the morning. Maybe you're changing that poopy diaper first thing every morning. Maybe you are making those family dinners, packing those lunches, whatever the routine is for you. What is that? And how can you really make that a positive force in your life and find value in it? And sometimes just in putting some numbers behind it to recognize like, wow, this thing that I do every day that annoys me, I've done it a thousand times or 2000 times or 3000 times. That's like a badge of honor right there. (laughs) So maybe making a badge of honor out of the thing that isn't so enjoyable that you maybe haven't taken pride in in the past, but now you can shift that perspective a little bit, flip that upside down and make it something that you really do take some pride in and have a good sense of accomplishment in and also see some really positive value in. So if this episode has been helpful to you, please do share it with other people. You can find this episode link if you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 145. And if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So you can subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into iTunes. You can click on the subscribe button and all episodes will be immediately downloaded to your device. So thank you for spending time with me. I can't wait to be back with you again in a couple days. And in the meantime, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.